7.44.16 before 8, Tommy Tucker, WWL. Uh, bad weather has moved on. Some clouds remain. Chilly, breezy today. A couple of lingering clouds. Highs of 54. Tomorrow, wintry feel. Highs of 52. Cold start to Friday. Highs of 56. But dry all the way through Saturday when it warms up a little. Highs of 62. Sunday, 70% chance for showers. Highs of 66. I think there is one parade scheduled on Sunday. But then we really start rolling the weekend after, I think it is, with the crew of Little Rascals. Yesterday, Mike Monkla, the president of Louisiana Oil and Gas Association, was on with me in the 9 o'clock hour. And we got to talking about the damage that the oil and gas industry has done to the coastline of Louisiana. And this is what he told me. Well, I mean, if you look at what really happened, it's the, first of all, there's natural subsidence. And there's all kinds of information on that I can send to you if you'd like to read up on okay. it. But also, you know, we all know what did it was it was the the the, the the levying of the Mississippi River. I mean, it took all the natural sediment away and for, for, from our marshes, and it you know there's no uh, rebuild of the marshes with the new with the settlement that's coming in. And so, if you look at the the history of the state and when those uh, levees were built, that's when our state started you know having the erosion issues that we have. You know, it, it, they're trying to blame it on, you know, oil and gas companies building, uh, you know, dredging canals. And that's just that's just not the case. Yeah, I asked him again if, if he was sure that's what he wanted to say. And he said it, it, it was. And he stood by his statement. Scott Eustace joins us now, community science director for Healthy Gulf. He's Ooh, been monitoring wetland permits for over 10 years. He recently worked on a website displaying oil and gas damages to wetlands. Follow the oil dot org. Morning, Scott. How are you? Hey, good morning. Doing well. Feeling, tell, feeling safe after last night. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about the um, the oil and gas industry and and damage to wetlands um, and, and the coast. Yeah. Um, according well, to, to Mike, new... it's just oh. it's just subsidence and the the levying of the river. Go ahead. It's very well known the damages to oil and gas to Louisiana's coast, and in fact, uh, Lamoga was part of a study in 2000 documenting over 400 square miles of losses of land um, that was put out by USGS in the year 2000 uh, by a University of New Orleans professor. Um, and anybody can go to Google Maps and Google Texaco Canals, Cameron Meadows. Um, uh, Wonder Lake, Catfish Lake, and just see the canals out there. And the scale of it is larger than any other process. I think the old the old line from uh, the representatives um, from Loga was that Nutria were doing everything. Now it's the river. And, you know, <clears throat> there, there, there are losses from those processes, but the, far and away the majority is oil and gas. And, you know, at, at my work, we, we have all the records. We have the receipts. We have the permits that uh, outline that. And we've put that all on a map at followtheoil.org. So you can go and see who's liable for what damages where. Uh, Freeport is the first company to settle with the state. The state is in litigation with all of these companies. But you can imagine the state does not have as many attorneys as uh, shell. <laughs> so, so to so be fair, you know, there was land loss, but there was economic gain. A lot of people worked in oil and gas, still do. Yeah. Is a problem yes. that the oil companies didn't do what the lease said they should do and didn't repair what they made, or is this just something that couldn't have been avoided? Uh, it, it, yeah, they didn't follow the law. They, they just, uh, it's cheaper, 
you know, oil companies are for-profit companies. It's cheaper to hire lawyers and avoid dealing with the problem than dealing with the problem. And, you know, this, uh, most of the funding for coastal restoration comes from lawsuits against oil companies, BP being the biggest one that you're probably familiar with. Um, and, <laughs> I mean, my grandfather was a petroleum geologist. He worked for Gulf. He worked for a number of other companies from Pennsylvania. He, in the 90s, when we first started having wetland uh, enforcement, uh, he encouraged me to go to school for environmental science because he anticipated that the wetlands would be restored. He wanted to switch from petroleum geology to soil remediation. But uh, the state was overwhelmed by the political influence of the companies, the number of you know, company employees that are in our legislature and the, the legal power that the industry has to suppress enforcement of the law. And uh, that business failed, right? So uh, um, other geologists like Woody Gagliano have been talking about this for as long as I've been alive. <laughs> it, it's kind of distressing to think about it that the industry can suppress uh, enforcement of the law for as long as I've been alive. Uh, but uh, sadly, that's that's how it goes. Uh, this has been documented in many journalists' reports, like the Losing Ground series from ProPublica, and Oliver Hauk at Tulane has written uh, a summary paper called The Reckoning. Um, so we know these damages very well. It's just it's cheaper for the industry to hire attorneys than it is to hire the coastal restoration professionals to, to do the job. Yeah, let me take a break because Louisiana uh, oil and gas has been good. Louisiana, not as good as it could be if the royalty situation had been different. I had the pleasure of talking to Dr. Gagliano uh, back in the day, and he has been, you're right, he studied that for his life's work for a long, long time. But I want to ask you when we come back, and you can answer, Scott, is there a way where this could have been um, beneficial to both? Did it have to be this way? Could we have had uh, an oil and gas industry in Louisiana and not lost as much of the coastline or the wetlands if they had been held accountable to oil companies to do what they're supposed to have done and follow the terms of the lease. If you have any questions or comments, 504-260-1870. I think there's one of those things that we all know of and talk about, but maybe don't really know the details of. The website is followtheoil.org if you would like to go to it, 751-9-8. Traffic now on WWL. 756 and a half, Tommy Tucker, WWL, talking to... Uh, Scott Eustace, Community Science Director for Healthy Gulf. He's been monitoring wetland permits for over 10 years, recently worked on a website displaying oil and gas damages to wetlands. You can go to followtheoil.org, follow and it's pretty comprehensive. And, and he's on because uh, Mike Moncla, the president of Louisiana Oil and Gas Association, I'm laughing, I have to, I'm sorry, Scott, saying that uh, canals and, and um, oil and pipeline canals and so forth it really had nothing to do with uh, loss of uh, loss of the coast in Louisiana, and that it was all due to subsidence and um, damming, the, uh, rather levying the Mississippi River, which I'm sure had a part in it. Here's my question: A lot of people, and, and somebody texted this in. I think it's a good question. And nobody was complaining when they were uh, making all this money, like in the '80s. People don't remember what the West Bank was like um, on the '80s, for example, when oil and gas was booming. Um, Nobody was complaining, but did it have to be either or going way back to the day when Leander Perez first screwed up the whole royalty thing by being too selfish with Dwight Eisenhower and, and people that don't know what I'm talking about, look it up. Um, if we ha if the state had held 
the the oil companies to the letter of the law, w- would we have been in this situation or not? Did it have to be either or? or could it have been both? It could have been a lot better. And uh, I guess uh, people were objecting. And I, but you know, people like my grandfather. But as you can imagine, he was an employee of say Gulf Oil. He was an employee of Delta Development. He was. So he couldn't complain too loudly right. about his They knew thoughts. damn well what was going uh, on, but they were making a deal with the devil, right? Well. Uh, we were making money. I think in the 50s, even to the 70s, there was hope. You know, mm-hmm. there was hope that we could strike this balance. In the 90s, uh, or maybe even before that, I know the environmental science of it is that the Socoras and Textron were developing a way to drill on um, air, uh, air cushion vehicles so that we wouldn't have to dredge canals to drill a well. Um, but, uh, and that would have uh, been a very good way to move forward, with, but, you know, protect the wetlands and drill. Um, but that didn't move forward. The legislature was opposed. Um, you know, it would have required a strong government hand to change the business model of industry. That would have been a great, it would have been amazing uh, industrial manufacturing jobs for Textron in New Orleans and, uh, you know, Avondale, other places. But, you know, the industry wasn't interested and it it suppressed that kind of change to their business plan. Uh, That, you know, a lot of the damage was done by then. um, But that, I, I think that probably would have saved, you know, a hundred square miles of our land out there if we had just changed the way we drill. But unfortunately, we're still prop washing. Uh, Venture Global is out there today excavating uh, a pipeline. It's suppressing the crabs for over eight square miles out there in uh, in, 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 in Plaquemines Parish. So, Scott, uh, you know, we have tremendous damages that are happening all the time. We we're out of, we're out of time, way. Scott. I hope you come back, all right? Because there's a lot of detail that I'd like to go into with you. We'll take a break. Come back. Talk to Ronald Surpass on WWL.